0: What's up, everybody, and welcome back to Gear 30 on the Blister Podcast Network. I'm Jonathan Ellsworth, and you can check out everything we're doing and reviewing over at blisterreview.com, and that includes the brand lineup videos that we shot at our last Blister Summit. The first of those conversations is live on our YouTube channel. You can also find it on our website, so go to Blister Review on YouTube, and you'll find us was a great conversation with Jed Geiser about K2 skis. So go check that out and all of the other videos we have up from the Blister Summit. And we've got a whole lot more of those coming down the pipeline. And right now, we have another really interesting conversation for you. We thought it was time to get a bit of a state of the union on DPS. There have been a lot of changes at DPS over the last several years. So joining me today is Tumis Loxo, who is the VP of product and operations for DPS. And Tumas and I, well, we first talk quite a bit about his own very interesting background, but then we kind of dive in and, like I said, get a bit of the state of the union at DPS and how things have evolved over the last several years. We talk about some of the specific skis in their product lineup. I asked Tumas to basically give a defense of carbon fiber and why he still sees carbon fiber as a really interesting material to make kind of a principal staple of the DPS lineup. In other fun stuff, Tumis also helped me figure out what I think is kind of a new rule for product design. That I would encourage all companies out there to adopt. So you're going to hear more about that. And then we kind of wrap up by talking a bit about Phantom. And the evolution of Phantom. And where that is today. So that is what we have in store for you right now. And so let's get to it. Here we go. Well, Tumas, how are you today? And where are you today?
1: I would, I would say that I'm in the middle of winter, but it's early May and it keeps snowing. I'm in Salt Lake City here at our DPS factory headquarters, and I had one of the best powder mornings of all year. Um, it was hammering snow. It's been snowing, and I was at the top of uh, Main Chute Baldy at seven this morning and laughing. It was hilarious. Did you solo tour this morning? Were you out with people? No, we hired a new, uh, a new engineer, um, Stu Gleason, and uh, I said, Stu, you got, a, you got a 5.15 meeting tomorrow morning, um, show up at the parking lot. So uh, we had some good, a lot, a lot happens with headlamps and, and pitch dark around you, a lot of, a lot of good conversations on the skin track.
0: Hmm. That's really cool. I'm stoked you had a good pow day this morning.
1: It's been a weird there's been there's been a lot of groomers, a lot of hard snow this year, and and so maybe it was May fourth. Maybe my mind as a skier's short memory for just protective reasons. But dang, it was
0: one of the best mornings I've had. Wow, that's really cool. Well, hey, we got a lot of ground to cover, and I think where I want to actually get started, just to first have you tell us what your official title is at DPS, what your role is. Let's start there.
1: Sure. Um, I'm VP of product and operations. Uh, We are a a North American manufacturer here. So operations has a lot to do with making skis. So in simple terms, I'm responsible for um, creating real solutions to real problems and getting them on the shelf. Um, Whether we build them, we've really expanded the line quite a bit the last few years. And whether it's um, our own built skis or whether it's skins or bindings or poles or travel luggage gloves, um, responsible for the overall procurement, design, development engineering. Um, so I, I make tools.
0: <laughs> okay, and so when pe- when you say VP of product and operations, you're not the guy in charge of payroll at the end of the month or something. You are in, you are in the details of the products.
1: Yes. Yes. So oversee the product managers and the factory manager and the supervisor. So the operations side of that, not the finance side. Um, thankfully, just uh, get to focus. We have a really, really strong team that's grown a lot, and that's uh, um, you know I think there were a lot of hats worn over the years, and and we've really taken a chance to to do what you do, be really good at it, and just focus on it.
0: This next question has a potentially very long and admittedly interesting answer, but I might have you not give us the longest version of this. I do, though, want to ask about your background because it's quite interesting. And so tell us prior to getting to DPS, talk about like where you grew up, where you went to school, and maybe just a couple of the kind of career highlights.
1: I grew up loving skiing in Seattle. I grew up the son of two Finnish uh, immigrants um, so I'm a dual citizen with Finland um, and hence the Scandinavian name and and um, and I think I like skiing more than any other kid and hmm. growing up in the shadows of K2 I could almost see you know the island and uh, it was soon after Franz Klammer's downhill hmm. in uh, 1976 where I was like wow I think that's super cool um, and I want to make skis and maybe to a fault. I'm pretty focused. went to school up in Bellingham at Western Washington University, and they have a program called plastics engineering. Um, and my path was with an emphasis in composites, reinforced plastics, because I wanted to make skis, and I wanted to go work for K2. Um, and so that's uh, kind of my background. I, I took a slight misstep and and uh, went aerospace um first but but um just focus on carbon fiber high-end carbon fiber stuff and but that that was you know late 90s and carbon was exploding in bikes and Mm -hmm. well actually a lot of the bikes were exploding because early designs but you know golf club shafts and and i was in hood river oregon so you know was windsurfing masks kayak shafts and prosthetics and rocket bodies and and then the um i was the uh the the head engineer, meaning we, there's one of us, um, and the owner, and we decided to build a snowboard factory, high end prepreg carbon fiber, um, really state of the art. We were the first prepreg snowboard factory in the world. We're taking more of an aerospace um, approach, and um, so yeah, that kind of put one foot in the recreation, one and um, kept one in aerospace, and and then uh, I was never a great engineer. Let's just say that I was a better big ideas guy and and then uh north face saved me and hired me to uh, oversee all their technology there so that was in the early days of north face um really really fun time just just uh bringing welding and then you question like how did you go from carbon fiber to the north Face? and sure there's maybe a carbon fiber shank in their shoe or a you know a, a frame in the backpack but but it's all plastics it's all coatings and urethanes and that's kind of the it's problem solving and and working um, with material suppliers, trying to be the the highest end brand you can. So that was a really, really, I owe Face a lot for kind of being in charge of that program. But yeah, the uh, Black Diamond kind of maybe closed that loop for me as a dream, as a kid to go, Hey, I want to make skis. And they said to him, do you want to run a little ski company? And and, uh, you get to be in charge of the ski division and, living in a ski town and I was, you know, living in the Bay um, and loving you know, surfing and surfing and Tahoe was unbelievable. The Gittins were amazing there in the Bay area, but you gotta spend a lot of time in the car. Mm-hmm. So like, hell yeah, I'm going to move to Park City and been here 20 years. And I kind of, that was my first like, all right, I get to make skis. Mm-hmm. It's been a long time. And, and uh, so, so uh, yeah, that's, that's kind of the long story almost, but I did that <laughs> for 10 years there at Black Diamond and, and really, really fun time in the ski industry that called the geometry freak show was going on. We were mm-hmm. really experimenting with shapes and materials and, you know, the next week link would pop up. Okay, here's, you know, here's a great ski, but man, this binding sucks. And then the boot sucks and hey, let's make boots. So that was a, um, I was in charge of that boot program for, for <laughs> better or worse. But um, um, I, that was a really, really fun project and, and worked with amazing smart people there. But came a time where I wanted to go entrepreneurial, um, and we were focused so much on triage how to dig people out, how to breathe under the snow, how to stay on top. And, and the next real innovation was just how to prevent people from making wrong decisions. And, and uh, I joined a couple really smart guys from MIT, one of them who became my Brother-in-law, um, and and we developed a really specialized force penetrometer that would go into the snowpack and hunt for death core. So kind mm-hmm. of a uh, really professional tool called Avatech, and, and later on Mountain Hub. But we built that up and, and uh, sold that, and here I am, close. And you know, if I it's not I don't know full circle to go. Hey, carbon fiber ski manufacturer. We're building them here. I really about four years ago. I've just i'm so fortunate to a stay here in utah and and combine some of those i don't know um advertent and inadvertent kind of career meanderings and now here i am making skis.
0: yeah well i think it's a pretty clear takeaway you are a product person and have had your hands involved in a lot of different products uh in the snow sports world and beyond. So I think that's a really helpful lens into kind of who you are and where you came from.
1: Yeah.
0: <laughs> um, so when did you actually get to DPS?
1: That was about four years ago. Um, and um, right. I, I, the first thing that really, and you know, I, I, I knew Stefan as a competitor and and, yeah. uh, and, and DPS really admiring this beautiful brand and, like, how can they do that? And why are we struggling? And, and, uh, and then they come up with this phantom thing. And it's like, wait a minute. Okay. If I know anything, I know plastics. And I know plastics engineering. And I put myself through college working in ski shops. I think I know wax. And like, there's no way this is real. And, uh, and Stefan opened up the books and showed me the patents. And like, okay, um, there's not a lot of opportunities to, this could be really game changing. Um, I want to be part of it. And, uh, and here's the kind of parts, you know, my manufacturing background and kind of guiding a business. And, and, uh, so we put those things together and, and, and I've been here about four years.
0: Well, one of the big reasons I wanted to have you on was really just to have you provide a bit of a state of the union. Uh, like of what is going on to DPS. And we're going to dive into the product line in a bit and probably get into the weeds as we tend to do on this show. But um, why don't we just go there next? Um, I think a lot of people are probably wondering over these last several years, what exactly have you guys been up to? Oof. Uh,
1: I mean, change is like what has not changed in this world. I mean, it has been a, it, it's been a wild ride. It's been a lot of tumultuous Activities in, in the world, you know, I can't go through a podcast without talking about supply chain issues, and and uh, I try to avoid um, diving too deep into that. But you know, there's there's been a lot of change. Um, what hasn't changed is we go about things the hard way, often building skis that have high performance carbon and trying to make them as damp as possible, and building in North America. Like you know, we're always still trying to create real world solutions to real problems, and that. That hasn't changed, but what, what has, you know, it's it's keeping up with, like I said, a dynamically changing world. Demand has been really high, and we, our team has been growing like Matt. Um and it is to keep up with that. We built a brand new factory. That's new. We have new manufacturing engineers. We have process engineers, QC, um, amazing new uh, kind of levels of supervisors in the factory as we've grown. And And recently super psych, we hired a new um, engineer and ski designer, Stu Gleason, who comes with a lot of composite experience and is working hand in hand with Peter Turner um, in just working on the next generation uh, um, models. So um, we have product managers now. So, you know, there's, there's a lot of things that have changed, but still at the same time, you know, there's, we're still... A you know focus on carbon fiber and this brand is you know I would say legendary. It's it's been what Stefan and Peter created 15 years ago. We're still a young company and, and there's a lot of heavy lifting that the the old guard did that really built this immaculate brand. Um, and so you know where the team's gotten bigger, a lot of things have changed, but uh, at the same time um, it's you know that original team that Stefan has, you know, put together, just this huge amount of respect there, put us on a course. And, and we're following that course and we have a lot of wind in our sails. It's, it's a really fun time in,
0: in the company. Where are you guys building skis these days?
1: So we, we were kind of in West Valley, Salt Lake, um, and, um, you know, growing and but we were working on a, just, you know, I like, Familiar with Alchemist, one of our kind of um, key technologies we had in the last ten years, five years, and, and uh, but blending a really stiff fiber and you know building skis out of carbon, um, you know it's been a it's it's been a question since day one. How do we make something exciting but just an energetic but planted and damp and and uh, and we were doing so much with with fibers and orientation and the resin and and that middle of that sandwich that wood part um we we went down a rabbit hole and like wait a minute if we do this holy, oh, you know we, this is next level and we had to build basically a factory around um a really big wood core processing center um and i like to say we do everything but grow our own trees now um it's a really like we could build unbelievable furniture here um but uh so we built a new factory around basically this core room and uh and now we're right off of 600 South, kind of a little bit in the heart of Salt Lake, a, a, a very, I don't know, um, just the, the landscape in this granary district, they call it. I mean, we have three breweries right here in Stone's Throw. We have a restaurant next door. We have a finished brewery, which I'm kind of partial to, um, in our parking lot, just in the DPS parking lot. And uh, um, so we're, we're uh, in a really cool, inspiring area, and, and we're, the, we're the makers um, the building's called industry and they have one in Denver and, and one in Salt Lake. And, you know, it's a modern way of there's a lot of shared services in, in this area. And I'm sitting in a beautiful conference room with really good sound. And, and we get to have, you know, global sales meetings with a made for TV type of, uh, um, AV program and in, in the you know, auditorium. And, you know, we're, we're still a little ski company. Um, but we have really cool kind of area to work in and, and where the, we're the makers in the back here, the uh making a bunch of fun carbon fiber toys.
0: And are you producing all DPS skis from the factory or is there still still some being produced elsewhere? Yes.
1: So, you know, if you go back into the um into history here, you know, we started we started in Asia, um, Direct to Consumer and Peter and Stefan would park it over there, mm-hmm. um, you know, all summer and, and and then uh go ski the winter, you know, up in the early days and, yeah. and then uh and then, you know, bring on Marshall and, 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 uh, Mike Cannon and Pizza. And a lot of these guys are still here. Um, but, uh, the, you know, there was some technology transfer things we weren't so comfortable with. And like, wow, we got to build them. We got to build them here. And, and, uh, so through that, we built our first factory in Ogden and really built everything, um, here. And then, as we grew and went wholesale as well to direct to consumer, um, we introduced the foundation line. Um, so you know, we have a very specialized. Every single material is high. It's built to last. It's you know, the price is the price. It's it's uh, that's something we aren't ashamed of. But you know, there's. It originally started as can we do some demo skis that you know can get into some stores introduce people to the dps brand and but that price at that point we can't we don't know how to build that fiberglass and and that price we can't do it so we built the foundation line in asia using our you know our kind of you know unique shapes and and lo and behold wow actually you know it's a different feel um it's a little bit more of a classic feel if, if that if carbon fiber wasn't to your taste and at that point carbon was kind of a hard thing to deal with too there's it's a it was a love or hate relationship. You could mm-hmm. just enjoy this exciting fiber, or maybe you'd lose some fillings as well. Um, <laughs> and and uh, so so it's a long way of saying um, we have had that foundation line. It's we brought half of it back here to the states now. So there's probably like three three models that are still made there, but that's all we we're, we're repatriating all that we figured out how to build a fiberglass now and, and that kind of sounds funny, but it's um it behaves completely different than carbon fiber and, and just coefficient of thermal expansions and how, how things play out um in the overall pressing and um but we have like uh you know part of the koala line is now built what is rule? ninety percent is built here in solid.
0: Let's talk more about carbon. I could talk all day about carbon. Why are we still talking about carbon, right? I mean given that it seems like both with respect to say carbon fiber mountain bike wheels and what you just said about carbon fiber skis a lot of time is spent talking about how this carbon doesn't really feel like carbon we're just get, we're going at a kind of fundamental level here so like why do we keep talking about and using carbon if we then are like but this carbon doesn't feel like carbon you know
1: um there's some I'm going to give you the, a very fundamental belief here at DPS and um, we believe skis have gotten boring. There's a lot of nice skis out there and I would, I would say great skis, um, catering to a large cross section of, of, skiers and, and they're good, but we do feel like some of the energy and excitement has been eradicated just to appease a large cross section of types of skiers and, and. You know, when I say carbon is kind of an acquired taste, you know, that was early days with building carbon that was, you know, it's a really stiff material. Um, so how do you, how do you harness the power of carbon while making it feel confidence and, and, you know, just planted and, and you know, we, we could be like everybody else who built some fiberglass yeaves and, and metal and, and like kind of be in the soup um, and try to sell some, you know, $600 to $800 skis and, and market our way to the top. But we're not very good at marketing. Sorry, Tim. Um, And we're pretty good at engineering and, and uh, construction. And and we're a little bit selfish maybe in our taste of like, this is what we believe in. We're good at it. We're sticking with it. And stick with it long enough. And like, wait a minute, we just had a huge breakthrough with Goda. And that's where like that what that core is doing with that high modulus fiber and a really absorbing core suddenly like, wait a minute, we're on to something here. We get to, you, you can ski, you know, put, put, name that brand, you know, carving nice metal ski and lay your hip on the snow. We can lay our hip on the snow. And when you exit that turn, you're smiling and there's like fun. And and I feel like there's some fun that's been removed from skis. Um, and uh, we don't use carbon for lightweight. We we use her for power and energy and uh, fiberglass is, is, is an insulator and it, it and it's uh frankly boring to us but you know there's there's different ways of going about it so our koala line is really that that i was mentioning you know that is a classic glass and uh and you can do an innovative shape and and that you know there's a, a demographic a style that likes a center amount of ski that can be kind of buttery and mm-hmm. and uh and i can go talk about that one for a long time because it's just been a, kind of a surprise hit for us where you, you still celebrate that turn um and when I say butter, we're, we're like, we're, you know, we're the farthest thing from a park company, but like you have landing gear, you can get, you can, you know, nollie and ollie and, and, you know, Dash Long has been just an amazing contributor um, for us in just expanding our minds of like high performance charging, but playful. Um, and Piers and, and Santi, are original koalas, they've been so cool to work with on this project. It's a little, for me, especially a little bit out of my own skin, you know, like I'm, I'm not that dude. Um, so I really lean on those guys for going, okay, here's, this is, this is what we want as a, uh, on these playful skis and that's fabulous. So, um, but in terms of our classic Pagoda line, Pagoda tour, why carbon fiber? Well, um, you know, let's talk about longevity and, you know, carbon has infinite fatigue life that, you know, on paper at least. And, and, you know, it's expensive and we can, we can buy a ski from Asia for less than the cost of the carbon fiber, in our ski, and that's just the rock fiber, right? Um, but. You know, there's there's price and there's cost, and it's like here is is a ski that you buy that's going to last twice as long as that other ski. It's going to be fun. It's not going to lose its camber. It's going to be if you care where that ski is made and who's making it. And you know, we we don't skimp on you know who who builds a touring ski and uses a race base, you know, you know four thousand series race base because it's what you should do because you're you're jump. You know, you're just you know skidding over. Um, rocks and and uh, and so everything we do from the carbon to the top sheet to the base to the edges to the resin, we have expensive tastes and we try to do the best we can and and uh, and carbon is is part of that equation
0: let's talk about the product lineups i mean you've already mentioned pagoda you've talked about some of the koala skis i'm going to let you dictate where we go uh, from here
1: sure well, what's fresh on my mind i had, I had the lotus. Um, 117 at this morning and this this is something that has been just a a really historical ski in our lineup um there's been you know surfing just powder surfing right that's what when peter turner and shane McConaughey first worked on the spatula like okay here's here's you know shane was like peter when he was at valon you know like let's, let's let's treat this differently in a different type of um medium of snow and think of it as Flow and water, and 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 they came out with a pretty groundbreaking concept there that has really shaped a lot of our thinking from there on out. Um, and then when Volant sold and Peter and Stefan joined together, it was like, hey, let's 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 take what we learned from that and let's let's go and make it better. And that, you know that so you don't pretend to go right and it wants to go left. And here's some things we can fix. And, and so there's been so many you know just you know historical iterations of the Lotus One Thirty Eight, I and mean, we applied it to, you know, there's, there's, you know, um, some, the 142 and the spoon and, but the one Lotus 124 is something that started to get a little bit more, take this powder surfing. If I don't quite have that chance to go to Alaska and see the untracked line and nothing, but, um, here's something that we could take that powder surfing, um, feeling and what we know about that and, and build it in a Lotus 124 and, and, you know, and, and there's been a lot of different iterations of that one. Um, I'm really psyched on on our our most recent one that that uh, is built off of kind of a, an older concept of the touring 124. But you know, it's it's not about surface area completely. It's about shape, and and we built we built a really skinny one, which is okay. We we'll learned from that. But the one we built a 117. We launched it this spring in a soft launch, um, and now it's going to be live at at a uh, dream time, which is coming up here in the end of July, and then we'll be in the line permanently there. But, uh, Lotus 117 is, is something that is, you know, we, we, I would say if there's one ski that's put us on this map, it's, you know, the classic yellow weather, 112 15 meter side cut and short contact. And, and, you know, it, RP stands for resort powder. Okay. You're going to ski, you know, powder, but it's not always pure powder and you're going to have to ski the resort, you know, after that. And, and here's a way to surf and slide, but it's really cook up, but not everybody is in the 15 meter camp. Right. And so that That uh, the the Lotus, um, 117 is you know not not too far um, width wife from the 112, but it's it's in a longer side cut and that that uh kind of a little bit more classic tapered, um, um, pintail shape. But and that was we didn't have a lot of snow this year, and I spent a lot of time with the team working on that. And similar to that 112, you can still just arc. You know, a ski has got to do more. There were power skis that only ski power, you know, You know, 10 years ago. And, and we've learned, all the companies have learned, like, times, you know, life is short. You've you got to be able to get back to the lift. And, and this is super psyched how it's handling on, on snow. And, and the tricky thing about carbon is it can get too light. Um, so we actually spent a lot of time adding weight and adding weight. And, and, like, okay, now we're, you know, we're still, we're always on the lighter in that spectrum. I and mean, you can mount a hybrid binding on there. But, you know, we're we're poking over two kilograms on that, um, ski and, you know, by comparison the you know, the 112 is whatever, 18, 1750, 1800, you know? so like mass can be your friend sometimes. And, and we, we, we chose that direction on that Lotus 117. So hmm. psyched about that one. Um, boy, we've, you know, the, the Koala 103, Koala 118, that's, that's been, we've been, um, well, we're, yeah, we're talking fall 22 right now i can't get ahead of myself a couple <laughs> different seasons but what we're launching um this so this summer is uh kind of the next level pagoda tour so we have if you're touring we have pagoda tour if you're not we have So go um, and that's that layering it's a it's a way of taking that core and layering vertically um you know a lot of a lot of cores are you know built with vertically laminated wood floor and we use bamboo stringers to add some life to it and it's like, okay, we, we have so much life in those skis, we need the core to do a lot less um, and be more of a shearing kind of a um, uh, property than adding life to it. So that, that's the Pagoda stacking when I talk about Pagoda. But the lightweight ones, um, we, you know, it, there's, it's a forever quest to continue to build higher and higher performance touring skis. And I think we made a huge leap with the Pagoda Tour compared to the Tour 1. You know, you should always be a little bit embarrassed about the previous technology, and you ski those back to back, and like, oh yeah, you know, like I, um, I hope people have tried a you know a, a DPS ski of late because things keep getting better and better, and we keep learning, and we're not going to stop learning, and and hopefully getting better. But this next um, version we're launching in the summer, we're we're introducing some kind of a new technology in there called Third Rail, and and we're um, we teamed up with spot who. You know, we are trying, we talk about innovation and design, innovation and construction, but, you know, sustainability is something that has kind of been ingrained with us just by building skis in North America. And, like, we cannot have any of this expensive stuff land on the floor. And we want our skis to last forever. And, you know, it's been something that we've been kind of doing all along inherently, but we know we have to just get better and better. And, and their algae-based, algal sidewall, um, we, you know, it's it's amazing how we, kind of came onto this um, program. I, I laugh and i might go too deep here, but the Texas freeze. There was a freeze down in Texas that completely radiated yeah. through car bumpers and, you know, you know, electronics and, and lo and behold our urethane was, you know, the precursor was coming from Texas and it gets shipped over to huh. Asia and come back to us. Like, oh my God, our supply chain tail is huge and we can't get any urethane. And and is, you know he's about a block away from us and was like, Hey, can we drive our forklift over and pick up some urethane? <laughs> and, uh, and like, that's a pretty short supply chain. And, yep. and uh, so, you know, it, it I, I, little facetiously there, you know, it was a little bit more difficult than that, but, um, but, uh, we've, we've converted um, most of the line over to, to the, uh, um, the, the Al- algal wall there. So we, in that Dakota tour line, we're injecting that sidewall, which is, more additive manufacturing versus subtractive and, and less waste on the floor um, is reducing our dependency on petroleum. We're also injecting it in the middle of the ski. We call it the third sidewall, third rail. So there's, you know, you, you think of a ski as a, as a composite beam and there's certain kind of deflections and certain um, attenuation of vibrations and nodes along this beam. And, and, and we've gone and kind of strategically placed at the center of that core, on um, in front of the binding, and behind the binding, some some uh, extra damping. Let's call it that. So we're trying to grab another gear in our touring skis. You know, a lot of people if they've hit the weight. Let's let's you know that's they're you know sure. There's super lightweight skis out there. We're not we're not about that. But but we've kind of raised the uh, kind of next um, gear for uh, um, performance on that touring line. So so construction, some new shapes and innovations and in sustainability. That's that's kind of the uh, what's been keeping us busy lately
0: yeah by the way i something you said kind of resonates when you said you know your previous iteration ought to embarrass you a bit as a kind of general design rule i actually really like that because i'm going to take it the other way though we've said for years one of the things that really frustrates us is when a company changes something and we're like you did not make that better you know But, and like, we often hear from companies like, yeah, but we have to switch up every couple of years because retailers or the market, they just need new, new, new. And I like that idea of like, I'd rather companies spend more time dialing in a product, really digging it. And maybe as a rule, which I've never articulated this way, you don't change the product till the previous version one does embarrass you. How about that?
1: Yeah. you, You say a rule it's printed in our factory real solutions to real problems. And that's a guiding light for us. It's like we, um, to that, that would stand the test of time too, you know, like we um, just as skiers, um, you know, I want to make myself a better skier. And like, like you know, there's there's a uh, selfish inspirations, but it's, we're not, we're not innovating for innovation's sake. We're, that's uh, something that we're really adamant about. Um, we're not changing a color. Um, and, um and it's you know, I don't know, maybe there's fatigue as well of you know, some I think some companies that are really good marketers and like here's our model and you know it's gonna be you know, the Ford F one fifty. It's the F one fifty and it's the F one fifty and it's the F one fifty and this one now has, you know, Eco Boost or whatever it might be, but it stays the same in little tweaks. You know, we've done some fundamental flips of our constructions and manufacturing and cores and our carbon and our resin and um yeah. We're, um, it allows us to have jobs as well. <laughs> hmm. You know, it's like, it, it it's, it's inspiring and, uh, fun to push the envelope of all those things.
0: Yeah. And I, I'm, I'm actually all for, like you've talked about more sustainable forms of manufacturing. And I think those are 100% good things for all companies to be looking at in terms of why they're, when I'm saying like, don't change your stuff. I am in favor of like, okay, but if we can find better, less wasteful processes, great. But I, and by the way, I also think it's fair if a company just says, we're changing sort of the design brief. So now we want this thing to be different than what it was, it, you know, like that's okay. But a lot of times what we see is what they're saying about the product, you know, the at least forward facing design brief, that doesn't change at all but the product is different. And sometimes we're like, you fucked it up. And that's a bummer. So I don't know. It's, <laughs> I, you, that was sort of a long monologue, I guess, but it's, it's helping me. I like that as a rule to companies. Like, Unless the previous version embarrasses you, please don't change it.
1: Yeah. That's, uh, I like that. I, I might print that on the wall too.
0: Yeah, or and I should say, for it, un- we strive for embarrassment. Right, until, and, I and, should and say. And
1: there's no, there's no knock against previous iterations, right. though, but like, you just should, as a human species, we should just get better.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and I guess the way I should have phrased that is, until your future iteration makes the last version embarrass you, leave it. Or figure out better, more efficient manufacturing processes, but that's something I would love to live in a world where that's what we're kind of seeing, as opposed to the like, well, I don't know, the market just gets bored and forgets about us if we don't tweak shit for random reasons every two years. I, I don't I don't love that, especially because I have to go ski this stuff.
1: There's um, our Dreamtime program is a time for us to kind of experiment a little bit and to... Um, yeah let's call it test on the market and see how things feel um, and is it a step forward is it you know we can we can engineer the crap out of it but the final audience is the snow and the skier and and that's where you know often we'll, we'll test something going I like it um, we've tested it in this snow and, and it's working well you know let's, let's do a limited launch and and see if um if it's a step forward or not um and this this summer where we're i honestly think we're on to something really cool um it was a it was a um uh, if we're talking about like big steps forward um it didn't snow a lot this year right um and we skied a lot of groomers and what's a um what's a skier to do but you know what i'm gonna start racing this year I, you know, I talked about Franz Klammer. It was a dream of mine to race, and never, never, never raced. Um, and Park City started the city league, and and so we're talking about city league. Um, I'm talking about you know racing against Ted Ligety and Stephen mm-hmm. Nyman, and, and like <laughs> the 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 uh, the the, the, the local to the city league are you know half of them are actual covers. But um, and I've got three little girls, and they're all just um, two of them are racing, and one's a big mountain skier, and, and I, I've watched them. On these courses, and and I just like I will put me in coach. I, I want to do this, and, and I think I know how to make a turn, and 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 I go and onto this injected course, and like holy roly, this is hard. Hmm. Um, and I do not look like Ted Lee. and I'm you know, and, and I think one of the best embodiments of our entire our technology platform is our Pagoda ninety four. Like this thing is just a unbelievable. We're known for our batter skis, of course, and but what we've done. In terms of carbon on the narrower skis, not ninety four especially. Like I'm going to race this sucker, and and uh, and but going on an injected course against sixty eight millimeter hundred foot skis, you know I I had some uh, yeah let's just say I had some twelve year old girls that were um were were close to beating me, and I couldn't have that. So I, I come back to the factory. got Guys, we're gonna we're gonna build a race ski. Hmm. And I'm like what? Like we're not a race company. It's like no, you know I, I gotta I gotta beat this girl. Um and but. My point was like, let's do something totally out of our skin. Let's push. Like, I'm. I want to build the most kick-ass metal race ski without the metal. Let's see what carbon can do. Let's let's go and add a bunch of like just metal mania features. And I think watching some of these really good racers throw the skis across the fall line, and they got this chunk of just a board under their foot. What if we did something on carbon? And could I go and transition between turn and turn faster? I don't know. Let's let's build one. Um, and the first one was terrible. Um, and I'm on the lift going, guys, like I, I got a race tonight. Um, can we change this, change this? Um, and we had, I made it back. We had a new one in the press at one o'clock. I had it through finishing none of it, um, by four. And I was at the top of the race course at five fifteen. So we had this 68 millimeter ski, um, and like, wow! Is that we're not a race company? We don't know how to build a race ski. But what if we put that in a 100, a shape that we know what to do, and takes this metal mania kind of ski um, and built pure light carbon? So we're we've had this the the 115 RPC. It's been this really cult following, just a hard charging ski, and and uh, and just a um, just internally we just love that ski. Um, it's not for everybody. Um, and, but like we built a, a little sibling of that, the 100 RPC out of this race, Pagoda race kind of was our working name and it is totally next level. Um, and pretty excited about They we launching at Dreamtime as a, as a test and hmm. maybe that'll move from the race department uh, into something commercial in, in another couple of years. But that's, that's where, you know, having your own factory just in these mountains and trying to make some real steps forward, you got to get out of your skin and try something completely wacky and, and, and learn from it. So that was a really fun experiment for us.
0: Hmm. I want to ask you about phantom. How long has it been now since phantom was rolled out and what is it? Phantom,
1: um, fundamentally addresses the lazy gene of skiers. Like there's skiers don't wax enough. Wax has been bad for the environment and you want glide. And so it, it it's one of those really interesting. You know, wax has been developed as far as we know, you know, to be temporary because it works. You have to fine tune it for different temperatures, and and, and when everything is lined up, great, it works amazing. An all temperature wax, okay, this is this does you know good for you know a you know a window of of, uh, of opportunity, um, but but it's topical; it goes away, and then you got to keep waxing, and and we just know how how uh, we don't wax enough. So it was. It was kind of the, one of those, you know, back to solving a real world problem, like, okay, what, how do we address that? Um, and and uh, we had a friend at the University of Utah, um, and it's like, hey, can, you know, a polymer is a long chain molecule, a paraffin is a shorter chain, can we do a monomer, a very small building block um, that's smaller than a paraffin, of course, is a wax, and it's a phase change. Um, polymer that changes under, you know, it melts. It changes under temperature and and like, but uh, um, a monomer doesn't. So it was, it was one of those, it's almost like a kid asking, but why? But why? But why? And we kept asking why, like, why can't we do that? Like, here's, that wax is not going into the base. I don't know how much, you know, the science books are saying, here's a polymer chain and here's the hole in the centered base and it doesn't fit. and You know, it works great until it's gone um, and then you just reapply. So it was a, a really interesting exercise in going, okay, what is the fundamental problem that skiers have? And they, you know, springtime or whatever, you just, you're, you're, you're not gliding. Um, Gliding makes skiing more fun. So um, I'm really psyched how that developed and just, you know, I would say a little old company coming to to the table going, but here's something we think works. and, And like, wow, it actually does work, but it sounds too good to be true. But you know, I think DPS, if there's one thing that might describe us is we're, I guess we're pretty bold and not afraid to take chances. And that's kind of a, you know, maybe a pretty good description of any entrepreneurial company. Like you can't, you, you, you have to take some chances and stick your neck out a little bit. And, and that was four years ago. And, and like, you know, the first one was, you know, you had it cure it in the sun and, and because A, we didn't have this, you know, we knew we needed a UV box. We didn't have it yet. Like, well, you can, you know, six hours out in the sun and, and you know, fundamental issues. But it was proving the point. And then we built the infrastructure. And that's, you know, there's, I, I call it pushing a ball of wax uphill. You know, there's there's just a lot of going, no oh, freaking way, does that ever work? And then, well, it does and go try it. and And that takes a long time to go, okay, I actually didn't wax all year. You know, how do you, you know, okay, it worked. And then you got to come back the next year and like, oh, I, now I want to treat by the pair So a long way of saying it's, it's four years and just starting to gain momentum now. Like it is, I would say it's on a tear. Um, we have the infrastructures in place, the cure stations. We don't, it was so many, it was so ripe for air to cure it outside and, and rightfully so people are like this stuff sucks. Okay. You, you know, let's, let's stop. You cured it under your kitchen lights and you open the windows that that's not what we meant by outdoor curing, you know. Like you need to have it outside in the sun. Yeah. Hey, I I, I uh, you know I use IR. Well, that's different than UV. Like it was just a lot of human error. When done wrong, it doesn't work. Hmm. When done right, it does work. Um, so so there's now there's if there was a time where you know one out of ten did it wrong, that one speaks pretty loudly. Mm-hmm. Um. And those nine are like, oh no, I think it works. Mm-hmm. Um. And, and there's some other learnings we had there. Like we were like never wax again and people take that as a license to do nothing to their skis yeah don't get a tune we don't sharpen your edges we don't fix dings. we don't reverse oxidation and it's like you have to wipe the shit off your skis sometimes yeah um and so you know it, part of this is this you know okay here's the best product but now we gotta figure out how to communicate it and how to set expectations yes and and that's where like we're not we're not a race you know we're not a race company you know if i said we're not you know the farthest thing from a race brand we're a part of from a wax company as well but we just went about solving a a problem for the everyday skier that we think is a a pretty good solution and and now you know i I think here the the gear 30 with gear west just uh you know um, a couple weeks ago was like they're you know um using as a base treatment on race skis and we actually had our first olympian here at the uh the last olympics you know they're like hey we use it we use Phantom as an as a underlayment and we use topical waxes for race day and like, oh, okay, that's cool. Yep. Um, that's not what it's intended for, but like, and now Nordic brands or Nordic skiers are saying, you know, like, we think there's something magical here with with treating it, treating your base. And then when you do have time to wax, great. When you don't, it wears off. It's better than an unwax ski. And that's all we're saying. It's like, we are just a solution to reduce friction. That's all we're doing. And and, uh, and for most people, that's a big step forward.
0: So that correct me if I got this wrong, but cause this is really interesting and key. Like you make these products and like, how do we talk about them? How do we communicate what we're doing? And it's actually critical, right? Especially with something like phantom. And so you said in the early days, the messaging was, you will never have to wax again, p- period. And then you just said, and people kind of thought that gave them license to not take care of their skis whatsoever, right? And so is it fair to say now, I think I heard you just say this, now it's like, look, we think there are significant reasons to do this phantom-based treatment. Go ahead and wax, and then if that wax does kind of come off, get removed, you are going to have a better ski experience if there's phantom on your base, as opposed to if there isn't phantom. It
1: fundamentally, absolutely. Okay. Um, yes. Or don't wax at all. You know, like you can wax. You know, I I, I like going into the garage and having a beer and and listening to my my tape deck and like just you know I, I um it's a it's a process too. Like you know I I, I throw on some. With three race girls, I kind of put on some liquid toppers these days for race day, but, but, uh, I like the process. And, and, uh, but the point is, a lot of people don't. A lot of people don't have the tools. Um, maybe they're, you know, they're living in, in, um, LA and they're flying somewhere for their five day, you know, trip and they want that to be magical and two days into it, their skis suck. Okay. You know, like, um, that's who Phantom can be for. Or it could be for the total tech weenie who's going, I want to be the fastest ski out there and I want my skis that I paid a lot of money for to be the best possible tool they can be. And I want this base stream. Um, so that's kind of the, the, the the bookends of the, of, of the customer there. But like I said, um, you still need to get a two, you still need to, you know, you know, what are the contributors to glide? It's you, you need, um, Get, get rid of the crap in the base. Make sure you have a, a structure. And and if you have a lot of micro hairs, you know, we, we have some polishing pads. Like, you know what? If, if you if you see, you know, visually see Velcro and hairs, polish that down and you're going to be good. Um, to a point and then go get a tune. And I think there's dealers too. Like, you're going to steal my tune business. I don't want that. It's like, no, no, no. You know, like we came out with some shock and awe going, never wax again. We didn't mean to step on your tuning business. In fact, we need you. And to keep,
0: so, to keep yeah. phantom working the way it's supposed to work absolutely yep okay so
1: it's it's been super fun for us to to shake things up and and uh and like i said back to solving solving some real problems it's it, it is interesting that the next generation that we're launching here this this fall you know we've just done we've made it easier and easier and easier to apply and, you know, if we went from six hours in the sunlight to one hour at the jurisdiction station to 20 minutes times two, you have to do a part A and part B to now it's like 20 minutes one time. And there was a, most people that they had a bad experience is because they didn't roto brush the crap out of it afterwards to get rid of the surface, a little bit of globulin to, within the structure. And they come out over time or like, you know what, go get a grind. And like, oh my God, it works now. Great. So we, we like, there's only so many times, so many, you know, first impressions that you, you can blow. And uh, so we, this new formula, it's, it's, it's a spray on formula. We've changed the viscosity of it. It's, there used to be a 15 minutes so, or 10 minute soak cycle. Now we don't have that anymore. And it's really fast for the dealer to apply it. We talk about, you know, the rest. Now we have to think of it as a business. We have a really cool exchange program with metal containers that um, we, we do an exchange program when they're done with that container. They send you a new ones send the back, it comes with a mailing label. So we're trying to think of it as a, at first we're like, Oh, here's a great idea. And now, like, okay, how do you actually treat it as a business and, and make it um, those those retailers to be like super value added to those retailers? So that's where we're at in kind of the trajectory. Hmm. And next is Europe. Europe is a slow adopter, you know, to you know to almost anything, especially you know technology coming out of little Salt Lake City DPS. And and uh, and now we're just finally, finally. Um we, we hit the right touch points over there and, and people are like, okay, you're actually right. It is working. So that's it's fun to see it starting to go global now.
0: Hmm. Well, Tumas, I know you had a really early morning, so I feel like I should probably let you go for now. I could talk skis all
1: day. <laughs> and I do. We,
0: we like that sort of person around here, actually. But um,
1: And I'd love to come out to the... The the labs program that is super interesting to me. Just blending science, and I like to say blending science and nature, and and uh, you know we do so much engineering here, and 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 you know quantifying things, and at the end of the day, it's you know the snow is the is the the final judge of your how good of an engineer you are, and but trying to figure out you know through a a lab like you're doing, I I can't wait to see what's what's happening there. That's going to be fun to see evolve.
0: Yeah. And where I told you earlier before we started recording, actually, um, I was just, I'm on a call every week with the faculty involved with labs. I was down at Western uh, in a classroom with our managing editor, Lou Kappa. We were sitting in a, a course, um, where we're looking at fabrics and fabric testing and like, man, it is all ramping up what we're doing with blister labs right now. And, um, and it's cool. And so, yeah, I'd love to have you, um, Come check out the facility and and meet the people involved with this. And uh, end result still, which I've been really clear on, is we want to just continue to provide better and better consumer product information about all of this pretty expensive equipment. And we're we're on a really interesting road right now. So um, it'll be fun to have you out. We can show you what's up, mix it up, fight about some things. You can say we're doing some things wrong in your opinion. And you know, like I, I, I'm really looking forward to having more designers and engineers coming through and just chopping it up that way. So, um, yeah, we'll, uh, we'll make it happen.
1: Awesome. Well, thank you so much for having me on the show. I really like what you do. So it's an mm-hmm. honor.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, appreciate it. Yeah. I appreciate the state of the union on DPS too. And, and, uh, I think you've, giving people a good sense of where the company's been and where things are headed. And, um, I also appreciate you giving me that new line about until you can come up with something where the previous iteration of a product embarrasses you, maybe, maybe leave it alone. So I'm, I'm going to use that going forward. Just
1: make sure we're walking around with red faces.
0: Okay, okay. Fair. Well, Hey, thanks again for the time. We'll talk to you soon. Okay. Thanks, John. All right, well, it is now time for our weekly What We're Celebrating segment. I currently have in my hand on this Thursday night what is called a Whistlepig Orange Fashioned. And so this is Whistlepig six-year-old piggyback rye whiskey combined with their packet of what they call Orange Fashioned Torverdonk from Lang. Introduced this to me. He actually gave me the packet, and um, it's a nice, very quick way to kind of get yourself an old fashioned. And that's what I have right now. And as you guys know, given my talk of coffee makers, I really care about efficiency. So this suits my lifestyle perfectly. Anyway, Tor, thanks for the packet, and um, and yeah, that's what I got in my hand right now. So what we're actually celebrating this week? Well, this Sunday is Mother's Day, and We can't really ever celebrate the moms out there too much, but let's take this opportunity and we'll all raise a glass to our moms. Let's all be sure to call them and talk to them this weekend. I have to say, um, it was kind of funny. My mom called me a week or two ago. It was after we did that episode where Luke Cop and I were talking about gas station food and she literally called me and it was like The most worried I'd ever heard her sound because it was sort of like, what are you doing? I think maybe she was a little bit of like, I think I failed as a mother. Like, what kind of decisions are you making out in the world? So, mom, I'm sorry about the gas station sushi. It's really nice of you to be listening to these Gear 30 episodes, and you are the best, always have been. Thank you so much for all that you have done and continue to do and for the support. And so, yeah, I'm going to raise a glass to my mom and all the other great moms out there. Here's to all of you, and sorry for all the really stupid decisions we make in life. Sorry. Anyway, that brings us to the end of this edition of Gear 30. I want to say thanks again to Tumas for the conversation. Thanks to the strikingly handsome Justin Bob for producing this episode. And from all of us here on the Blister team, please take good care of yourself and everybody else. And we will talk to you again real soon.